Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. The journey towards Christmas seems slow and methodical all year long, until it doesn't. And right now, that journey may feel rushed and hectic, but you know where it's leading and the moment you're awaiting. But the first Christmas was a bit different. The Christmas that defined what we celebrate this time of year was a journey unknown by many of its most well-known participants. Yet, each of those journeys warms our hearts and speaks to our moments and emotions of the season. And this season, they once again lead straight to the one who has always been the destination. The King, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus. We are well into the traditions of Christmas. Even around here at uh, First Christian, we have already started into the fun that is the Christmas season, and it all got started yesterday with an event called Breakfast with Mrs. Claus. And during that event, we had hundreds of kids who were here, and their families were with them, and crafts were happening, face painting, and all kinds of different events taking place, including uh, the stories being told by Mrs. Claus that led right back to the reason for this season, Jesus. Now, some of you were able to be a part of that yesterday, and some of you may have missed it, and we just want to give you an opportunity to experience for just a few seconds what uh, took place around here at First Christian yesterday. Take a look at this. We celebrate at Christmas the most important gift that any of us have ever been given in Jesus. And we have all kinds of celebrations and, and, and parts of the season where there are traditions and lots of activities that we uh, get involved in. There are decorations that have to go up and there's Christmas trees to be put up. There's Christmas parties to attend. There's Christmas music to listen to, Christmas movies to watch, Christmas sweaters to wear. There's all the shopping and, and all of the wrapping, and, and yet there are so many parts of the season that lead us right back to Jesus. 
I mean, even as our kids were here yesterday for breakfast with Mrs. Claus, Mrs. Claus was leading them through the stories that she told right back to Jesus. In fact, most of the parts that I just mentioned that are part of our traditions and part of our activities lead us right back to Jesus. The, the music that's part of the season in, in many uh, cases is, is traditional music that leads us right back to Jesus. The gifts that we bring and the gifts that we receive are whispers of the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus. And the decorations that we put up, though they're filled with Christmas trees and Santa Clauses and snowflakes and gnomes, somehow gnomes have worked their way into Christmas. I'm not sure how that happened, but, but still all the different parts of, of these decorations, there are still parts of them that lead us right back to Bethlehem. Not the least of which are the nativity scenes that we have in our homes. You know, when I, when I was growing up, much like Chris was just talking about, the, the nativity scene was my favorite part of decorating. There was a night that the tree was uh, put up at our house. Now, at our house, at least for a long time when I was growing up, we had an artificial tree, and, and, and it was one of those artificial trees where every single branch was separate. You remember those? And, and each branch was supposed to go on a specific level of the tree, and the ends of the branches were color-coded so that you could put them in the right place. And, and, and yet, over the years, the little paint that was the color-coding would wear off, and so then the battles would start on exactly which branch was supposed to go and which level of the tree. While all of that chaos was taking place, I was in charge of putting up the nativity scene. I think my parents just kind of wanted me out of the way because the, the process of putting the tree up took all night long and, and then as it was happening, the lights would go on the tree either as those branches were going on, but more likely the, 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 tr the, tr the trick going on with the branches, not knowing exactly where they go, you had to wait till the whole tree was put together before you put the lights on. And, and meanwhile, the, they would send me to the living room to the living room to put up the nativity scene because the living room was the room that was furthest away from the chaos going on with the Christmas tree. Because no young child needs to have the battles going on between their parents about a Christmas tree as part of their Christmas tradition. And so I was in the living room putting up the nativity scene and I, I took great care with the nativity scene. My parents' nativity scene was one that was um, it was wrapped in, each character was wrapped in newspaper. Newspaper that was so old, it was already yellowing for sure, but it was also starting to get really soft because it was that old. And each character was wrapped in that newspaper. And I would take them out and get the stable out. The stable that we had was, um, well, it was a, a wooden stable had a hole in the back where there was a bulb that you would put in. Had a crank on the side for the music box that would play Silent Night. And I would place all of the figures in just the right place, right there on the green shag carpet in the living room. All part of our little makeshift Bethlehem. Well, now that nativity scene that I set up for years has a new home here in Elizabethtown. There were not a lot of parts of uh, my childhood home that I tried to lay claim to early on. But as we were going through the house this year, I got pretty adamant about bringing the nativity set home. 
maybe a little too abrupt. There are so many parts of our family that had enjoyed that nativity scene. I've actually seen pictures even through this season already from my brother and sister of three different generations of us that stared into that stable on the green shag carpet playing with all the different characters in the story. But here's the thing about this decoration that a lot of us have up in our homes. Every character, every part that make up that nativity scene is a story. Every part of that scene is a journey. And each one of those stories leads us right back to Jesus. And so as I was thinking through Christmas at FCC, it was this nativity scene that got some traction in my mind and in my heart. Because all these stories lead us right back to Jesus. Like the story of the wise men, or the magi, or the visitors from the east. We don't actually know their names, um, that legend has given them names over the years, but the Bible doesn't actually name them. The Bible doesn't actually even tell us um, how many of them were in their group. Over time, because they brought three different kinds of gifts, we've just assumed that there were three of them, and so all of our nativity scenes have three wise men that are part of the story but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Matthew's the one who introduces us to the wise men, to the magi, as part of the story of Christmas. And so in Matthew chapter 2, this is how we're introduced to their story. It says these words. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, it's important for us to realize that this is Matthew telling us about the Magi. This is Matthew whose story of Jesus and his gospel, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew's is kind of written to and the audience intended for that gospel are the Jews. The, the ones who had been searching for the Messiah, the one who had been waiting for a Savior for so many years. And, and Matthew is laying out evidence for them. It's why Matthew chapter 1 seems like a lot of names and an unnecessary genealogy that just fills up the entire first chapter with names that aren't really all that recognizable for us. But he's connecting the dots for the nation of Israel. He's tracing the lineage of Jesus all the way through King David, who's greatly honored by the people, all the way up to this little carpenter named Joseph, right before Jesus is born. There's so much emphasis that happens in Matthew's gospel that is all about identifying Jesus as the king of God's new kingdom, as the Messiah, as the savior that these people have been looking for, searching for, and waiting for, ever since Isaiah made mention of him 700 years earlier. And so with all the emphasis given to the Jewish people, all through the Gospel of Matthew, it's even crazier that in Matthew chapter 2, the first 
people to figure out the clues of prophecy and the star in the sky were not Jews at all. The first ones to discover that everything was turning out exactly as it had been foretold were not the ones to whom the prophecies were given, but it was just the ones who had been looking and had taken notice. Just look how specific their question was that they asked. They simply were asking, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They saw a sign in the sky. They started researching through ancient manuscripts. And then they started looking for the new king of the Jews, who they knew was going to be born somewhere nearby. Well, when King Herod, who, by the way, which was the current king of the Jews, so you can kind of understand why his feathers were ruffled a little bit, when he heard that these magi were in town looking for the new king of the Jews, he, he, he got a little nervous, and so he gathered together the, the, the wisest people that he knew, and, and he gathered them all together, and this is what we find. Matthew tells us this part of, of the story It says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Now get this, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The prophecies had spoken of Bethlehem, had been pointing to this child being born in Bethlehem, that the Messiah, that the Savior would be there. They had had the signs in their possession for all this time. But no one was looking. 700 years had gone by. And generation after generation, dozens of generations into the Israelites, had slowly quit looking, slowly quit expecting, slowly quit hoping for a Messiah, for a Savior, for a rescue. And so when it comes to finding Jesus from the very beginning, those who found him were the wrong kind. I mean, think about it. Matthew spends his entire gospel writing a history book, pleading with his own people to recognize that Jesus is the one that they had been waiting for. And yet, right off the bat, Matthew chapter 2, he lets everybody know that it was actually the Gentiles who found him first. I mean, even after Jesus died on the cross and rose again and offered forgiveness and and grace for all mankind. It was meant for all mankind, and yet, Acts tells us that it was probably 10 years later before the first non-Jew found out that grace and forgiveness was meant for them too. But think about this. The beginning of the story of Jesus, it was the wise men, the magi, the visitors from the east who discovered who Jesus really was. 
They were Gentiles. They were the outsiders. They were unexpected. And they were also a little bit late. See, it it takes a while, evidently, to travel from Persia or wherever they were from all the way to Bethlehem, especially when your GPS is a star in the sky. And I I don't know if you remember being a kid in the backseat of the car when your parents are taking a trip and you kind of look out the back window and you see a star in the sky and you you, kind of want to see if it moves. You want to see if it it travels along and that plan and that little game gets boring pretty quickly because the star doesn't go anywhere. It's just stuck in the sky. These guys didn't have Siri on their phone. They didn't have a Waze app to go to. They, they simply had slow but reliable transportation and a general idea of where they were headed. Herod, who was very threatened by the idea of a new king, found out about these guys and he invited them to come and talk to him. And and when they told him everything that they knew, he encouraged them to go and find the baby, find the new king, and then come back and report to him. And that's where Matthew picks up the story again. It says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They came to see Jesus, not in a cave, not in a stable, not in a barn, but at a house. And when they got there, they didn't find a babe. They found a child. It seems that a little bit of time has passed in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph have found a place to live there in Bethlehem. They've had the baby, and the baby has grown up a little bit. There's some scholars who believe because of Herod's decree that he gives a little while longer where he calls for all of the the baby boys two years and younger to be killed that by the time the the magi get to the child he's probably somewhere between the ages of one and two but really no matter how much time has gone by it's clear that the magi were late to the party See, unlike our nativity scenes, they didn't show up the same night that the shepherds came to visit baby Jesus in a manger. They showed up at a house to find a child with his mother Mary. They were not only the wrong kind, but they were those who were the wrong time. And then once they got there, I mean, look at the gifts that they brought for a baby or even for a child. This is what Matthew tells us. He says that they opened up their treasures and the presents, or they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, there are reasons that I've heard for all of those gifts and, 
and how they really kind of connect with the story of Jesus. He was given gold, which is a gift fit for a king, which is a, a fair way to describe Jesus to us. They, they, they brought frankincense, which is a, a fragrance that's used in ceremony quite often by priests, another fair description of Jesus as our priest. And then they brought myrrh, which is a spice that's typically reserved for funeral settings where that spice is placed over the body to keep the smell away. As the women went to the tomb on that first Easter to anoint the body of Jesus, it's quite possible that they were carrying with them myrrh. And so symbolically, the gifts that the Magi bring is pretty meaningful. But given the circumstances and given the situation, these are still those who brought the wrong gifts to the occasion. However, as Matthew continues his story, even getting away from the Magi, it's possible that there's even an explanation for that. See, as Matthew continues the story, it goes like this. When they had gone, that's the Magi, so they're no longer part of the story, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. So, just so we can get the story straight, this is a carpenter and his young family who travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem when a surprise census is being taken. They make that trip, and once in Bethlehem, they have a baby, they have no place to stay at first, then with the added expense of a child, they find a house to rent, and somehow take an additional trip all the way to Egypt where they exist for a few more years. How is that possible? We don't know for sure, but the gifts that the Magi brought for Jesus would have gone a long way towards financing an unknown trip like that. And perhaps these gifts that seemed completely inappropriate had a part to play, a role to play in the story after all. Well, the story of the Magi, as grand and royal as it may seem, also feels a little out of place. They were the wrong kind of people who showed up at the wrong time with the wrong gifts. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe 
It's a Christmas party that you've been invited to, but you don't really know very many people who are there. Or maybe you get there a little later than you were supposed to, and there's already conversations happening all around the room and seating that's already taken place, and there doesn't seem to be any room for you in a conversation or even in a seat. Or maybe it's one of those parties where they're going to have a game that they play with the gifts that everybody's brought, but you brought the wrong kind of gift to be participating in that game, and you kind of mess everything up, and suddenly everything that happens that night, you just feel like you don't belong. The Magi had to have felt somewhat that way the whole way through their part in the story. And yet I can't imagine my nativity scene without them. And I can't imagine Matthew's telling of the story of Jesus without the Magi either. They belong in the story. And so do you. See, Christmas is a story that may be all about Jesus, but it's also all about you. I mean, you're the reason he was born. You're the reason he came. You're the reason that he showed up. But maybe you don't see it that way. See, maybe you, you celebrate this season and you participate in all of the, the different parts of it and, and you even find that the sights and sounds of Christmas are things that you really, really enjoy. But there's a part of you that thinks that the story of rescue and the story of grace and the story of forgiveness and the story of a savior wasn't really meant for someone like you. Because you feel like you're the wrong kind of someone. Or there's just been too much water under the bridge. And there was a moment in your past when you were younger when you were a little less damaged, when you hadn't gone down the wrong path, when you weren't divorced, when you weren't addicted, when you weren't unstable. I mean, back then, the story of Christmas seemed like something that kind of resonated with your heart and was probably meant for you, but now it's just too late. Too much time has passed. Too much hurt has been felt. It's just the wrong time for you. Can I tell you that's the work of the enemy in your mind? Because the truth of the story of Christmas is that it is never the wrong time. And you are always the right kind. And maybe the most amazing part of all is the, the gifts that you have to bring. See, you are uniquely you. There's nobody else like you, and I mean that in the best possible way. And if you need proof of that, just let God use the gifts and talents that he's given you in his kingdom and be blown away by the role that you get to play. This is a story that is both for you and about you. You are exactly the right kind at exactly the right time, bringing exactly 
the right gifts to the Savior of your life. This is the story of Jesus. But it is a story about you. Christy is going to come and sing a song. And as she does, I want you to listen to the words. And I want you to hear this story that is truly about you. A story that was meant for you. And maybe you're going to determine today that this forgiveness and this grace and this story is not something that is too late for you. It is something that is meant for you. And if you have a decision to make today, there's a portion at the end of this song that we all get to participate in. And if you have a decision to make, we invite you to walk right down the aisles. I'll meet you here to recognize that this story is for you.